everybody. This is Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean. I am here with my co-host Ian Gibson. Ian, how are you, sir? I am doing very good. Um, very excited. The uh, fun really begins this week. Yeah, we're we have commenced to week one. We are out of week zero, which you know I actually did appreciate because I actually watched quite a bit of week zero stuff, and um, I mean. I love how now everyone's like on the Vandy boat and like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, cause so many people had pointed out um, in the SEC media days that someone had given Vandy a first place vote. And now everyone like is like validating that person and like being like, Oh, this guy was new what he was. So, but we'll talk about that soon. So let's, let's give a breakdown about who we are. We are hater radio. Um, we are uh, a college football podcast. We largely talk about the state of Florida, the Southeast and most major college football, specifically, University of Florida, University of South Florida. We'll talk about Miami, Florida State as well, UCF. Um, I live out in L.A. Ian lives in uh, St. Pete, uh, Clearwater area of Florida. Um, Tampa now, technically, right? Because you're at USF, right? Yeah. 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 So, okay. So Tampa. So, um, but I'll, I'll talk about LA teams, specifically USC and UCLA. And we'll also mention any big stories that come up or big teams, big games, whatever, anything that really like should be talked about. We will talk about, I don't do, we don't do a lot of college recruiting. We'll touch on it sometimes, but it's not, honestly, I don't really care for it as much. It's not like my biggest thing. I think because Recruiting is such a like day to day thing that you have to like, I don't know, really be full force on that if you really want to stay on top of it, which it's like, I just don't even want to get involved with it because it's like, it's just too much going on. At least with this, it's once a week, you can go over the games, you can talk about what's happening coming up, you know, it's, you know, in the season, it's only for the four months. So it's much easier to do. I think that we do a good job. Um, we had, what is it? I, I published both those articles or all four of those articles last week. And the USF one did very well. It actually was like over 150 views. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the Florida article did, uh, I think around like 50 views as well. So we're doing very well there. I'm very excited about that. There's more and more listens to, to the actual podcast, which is great. I'm glad more people are listening. That's phenomenal for us. We're trying to move this forward and Honestly, this this seems like the year that we can take it forward, and uh, I want you people to uh, uh, be a part of that. And to be a part of that, you can look at our articles and you can look at our uh, our Twitter stuff uh, through haterradio.com for the articles, and you can go on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Hater underscore radio is the the uh, the 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 letters there. You'll find us for. And then Ian, what are your socials as well? Yeah, G uh, double underscore Gator, double underscore G for Instagram and just simple G underscore Gator underscore G on YouTube. Nice. Okay. So that's where you can reach us also at haterradio1 at gmail.com if you want to email us the old way. But uh, so what we do each show, typically now this is the start as of now. Last week we were just a season preview in the week zero, but this is a typical show. We will have... Well, not technically, because there's going to be some missing because we already did it last week. But uh, a typical show is a 
uh, rewind of the week that happened before, and then we'll do a Heisman look at and a uh, our predictions for the CFP, and then we'll also do a preview of the week uh, coming ahead of us so with that this time we're going to a little condense because we don't need to do what we had already talked about last week which was the heisman race who the uh potentials we thought there and then who we had predicted for the playoff because those teams and those players did not play at all for the most part uh last weekend so with that in mind we just have a recap of the games that we uh discuss for week zero and then we'll have i think like 14 games for uh, week one. So with that, let's do the week zero recap. Uh, the first game was the game in Ireland. It was Nebraska against Northwestern. It was actually a very good game. I enjoyed it a lot. I was like, uh, I, you know, it, Nebraska got ahead. They were up by 11. Then they kicked that onside kick for some freaking reason. I have no idea why they did it, but um, it was what, what they they had a look. I'm guessing they saw something and was like, if this guy is like with his back to you, then kick it at him type thing. And I'm guessing that's what it was. And he pulled the trigger on it, the kicker, and it just didn't work. And, um, and uh, you know, that's, it's a shame because if they had just kicked it to him regularly uh, and they make a stop there, they probably end up winning that game, but they, Kicked it to him onside. You know, they were only 40 yards away from the end zone at that point. They ended up scoring. And then, you know, all the momentum, that's the other thing, is the momentum was going towards Nebraska, and they just kind of, like, killed it completely on that one mistake. And, you know, Northwestern ends up winning uh, 31-28. And I just, I, I don't know. This stuff with Scott Frost, man, like, it's kind of, like, I, I never would have thought this was – gonna happen i would have thought they would have been like you know seven win years eight win years i never would have thought they were gonna win only like a handful of games each year it's kind of remarkable but um i don't know what are your thoughts on the game ian um i remember um i texted my cousin while watching the game i was actually at work watching it but i did have the game on watching it and i remember thinking nebraska was up and i go how are they gonna screw this up then there was the onside kick. The defense absolutely fell apart. Um, in the I've always I said this that was the killer of that game. Yeah, when you cannot stop the run, when you know it is coming, yeah, you, 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 that's tough to win. And straight up, and Northwestern was able to milk the clock, was able to make Nebraska press every time they were on offense, and an already kind of reeling offense into the fourth quarter had to be, you know, taxed even further. It was the mo- <laughs> I I don't I don't like being mean, but I did say Nebraska's going to Nebraska and that's exactly what happened is that they found a way to lose in that. I will give total credit to Northwestern. Uh I don't think this is a thing where they were just playing above their heads. I thought that was a great performance, especially uh, from uh, Ryan Holinsky, former uh, South Carolina quarterback. He threw for, I believe, over 300 yards. And he had the two DDs. Um, and I, I feel bad for uh, Thompson, the quarterback of Nebraska, because he had a fantastic game, too. Um, it, uh, it was just such a brutal way to end. Not only 
through the onside kick because Nebraska had all the momentum after that. And not only was the defense not stopping them, but when uh, the how it ended was, you know, when he threw it, Thompson threw it on a line to uh, Lewire uh, or Lewire, um, I believe. It was there. It was in his hands, hit off his hands, intercepted by Northwestern. And I was like, that is the microcosm of Nebraska football right now. I don't, I, I just, this is another game where it was another one score game where Nebraska couldn't finish. Now I can make the excuse for some losses, especially last season. Like they were within one score against Oklahoma and these other teams, but to Northwestern, when you had a full digit lead twice, that that's just unacceptable. You, and they had all the momentum uh, going out of the uh, halftime, and they just let Northwestern back into the game um, and all that. And it wasn't the kicker's decision. It was Scott Frost's decision to onside kick in that situation. Um, his words, I believe, I saw the article, um, was he thought that if the onside kicked, got recovered it, and at that, that was like after they scored, all the momentum's on their side. They burn more clock at the very least, or maybe they score either a field goal or a touchdown, and it's out of reach. The problem was it's way too early to say onside kick, we get it, game over. Because even if Northwestern stops you, I mean, it's still you know a two-possession game. Yeah, It was definitely a very... It was one of the more poor calls I've seen in a long time. That was... I, I, I was just aghast when I saw that because very rarely do you see teams onside kick, at least with that big of a, you know, double digit lead. Um, again, I get somewhat where he's coming from, where he's just trying to, you know, put the nail in the coffin, but he missed the nail and, you know, Northwestern came out from dead and they were willing to play. And I think that was a part of it too, is that I don't think Nebraska was fully prepared to have this absolute onslaught. Northwestern was, giving them yeah uh i think you know i I came out of this game really impressed with uh nebraska's quarterback thompson like he definitely gave it his all and was pretty damn accurate and even the ones quite a few of the ones not only that one that ended the game but like there was several other ones where they the nebraska players just dropped the ball and like you know that goes into that thing where I know the stat line will say, I think he had technically two interceptions. I can't blame him on the second one. He put it right no. there. That wasn't his fault. That I mean, it was literally, it was like somewhat behind him. But honestly, man, if you get both your hands on the ball, like you have to, you have to catch that ball. And like, he, he did a, I mean, he's the reason they were in that game. Like the running game for Nebraska wasn't that great, but like, um, you know, the, the passing attack was there. I mean, 355 total passing yards. That's a lot. And I don't know, man, it's, it, I feel bad for him because he played very well. And also the other thing is, I think, I don't know. It seemed like Scott Frost was like trying to blame his offensive coordinator because like he's saying it wasn't creative enough and i'm just like man just take the blame dude you got to take the blame now like this is 
Like if you're just going to blame the offensive well, coordinator who just say. got there, like, and he obviously, uh, I think his name is Whipple, right? Whipple. Yeah. Whipple. Yeah. Whipple knows what he's doing. He was great at Pitt last year. Like he he's very competent offensive coordinator and you should take the blame. Like the, uh, the whole reason they lost that game was that onside kick. If that onside kick doesn't happen, they probably win that game. So I always say that whenever a coach blames another coach or something like that, I always say, well, whose fault is that? I'd yeah. You're, you're, the head coach. you're the, you're the lead man. Anything that happens, you take the blame. That's yeah, just, that's just like what it, it is. Fire him or you shouldn't have hired him. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So let's move on. That was a great game and I'm glad they put that one on uh when they did because it, it kind of uh made the day for everyone i mean it was early for me that game started at 9 30 in the morning for me so it was like early but i mean that's what most games are going to be for me because i'm on the west coast so okay so there was a rain delay and a lightning delay for the fsu Duquesne game and uh, i was wrong yes i can admit i was wrong but i kind of just did it for laughs anyways because if it was right it'd have been funny that fsu lost to decane but fsu wins 47 to 7 um i mean there's not really much to talk about duquesne was terrible like they're not a good team and like that was a tune-up game and that i will say i was very impressed by the rushing attack of you know i think they had three it was uh ward trey benson and um I want to say Toffoli, but that's a hockey player. It was like Toffoli, I believe. Um, yeah, something like they, that. Yeah, they um, – the offensive line created plenty of holes, and they were able to exploit it, especially on the outside attack. They looked very, very effective there. Now, again, it is the Kane. It isn't the first game. It's a, it's a tune-up. But still, you know, you can tell there is potential there. Well, I don't know, man. You, like, because – there's been plenty of years where Florida has destroyed someone in a, you know, FCS matchup and you can't tell anything from that because there's so um, it's such a big mismatch that it's like, there's nothing you can really actually garner from those matchups. You know, I, I don't know. They really shouldn't even play these games anymore. I wish they would get to the point where they didn't. I don't want to see Florida play these games because it's not interesting to me. It doesn't do anything for like moving the needle. A lot of fans don't care for them. Like they really need, I wish they would get rid of them because I'd rather see games like Florida playing Utah or for FSU playing LSU. Like I like those games. They need more of that. They need that. Um, I don't know. They need to be more like the NFL. And like, as much as those smaller teams get those, Big paydays. I mean, like, whatever, man. I get it. But at the same time, like, I don't really care for the games and I don't really need to see a team win by 70 points. It's like, it doesn't do anything for me. Like, it doesn't like, because most of the time the game's over by halftime. And so your, your players only get like two quarters of, of real reps. Then the, and like the only real benefit of like the whole thing for, a big mark of a larger team, a bigger program is the fact that their backups get to get game time. And that's literally it. That is like the only benefit from uh, them playing those games. I don't know. I, but whatever, let's move on. Cause I want to talk about this game a little bit. I watched a little bit of this. I didn't see all of it, but it was like a lot of like big plays, especially from Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt and Hawaii Vanderbilt wins 63 to 10. I will temper this by saying 
I don't think Vanderbilt is going to look that impressive later on, but this does look good considering that um, uh, the Vanderbilt coach, what's his name, Clark or something like like Lee or Lee Clark. Yeah. Um, he he um, you know he came out in the SEC media days and was like saying that we're going to be one of the best programs in the country, and everyone laughed at him, but. The guy was a good defensive coordinator at Notre Dame and seems to know what he's doing and is a young guy. He doesn't like he's not going anywhere. He's a Vanderbilt alum. So this is like the job that he wanted. Like he had his choice. He could have gone almost most mid-tier programs. And he was like, no, I want to go back to where I uh, played at. And I don't blame him because that's, you know, you have a lot of like nostalgia for that time when you're in college so i don't blame him for wanting to coach his uh his alums and so he'll be there a long time he knows it the school knows it because like they're like you know what let's give this guy the longest leash and let's let him figure it out let's let him do his thing let's not even like tinker at all and it seems like it's working i know it's just one week but i think i think if he can win like two conference games this year it's a it's a it's a success and two is not that much that means beating Ole Miss and that means beating uh um Missouri so like it has the potential that he could do that I mean Ole Miss is obviously a lot better than Missouri but you know just what I'm saying like you know they have the potential to get in the right direction there and I don't know Hawaii obviously is not very good uh Timmy Chang has got a long ways to go, but um, I, I expect Timmy Chang to be there as well because he's a another alum coaching his uh, former school. So I expect him to eventually get it going because he seemed like a, a very good offensive mind. So I don't know. What did you see in this game that stood out to you? Anything Anything you saw noteworthy? I I was just impressed that when the game started, like, the you know, it, it was around the early part of the game. Why you score? They ran down the field, and it was, um, I believe, it was Pearson. He had a big rushing touchdown, and I thought, honestly, I don't know if you could blame me for it, but I was thinking, okay, Hawaii's got this because I've never known Vandy to really like get off the mat and punch back, and then Vandy rubbed the blood off, and they, they, they definitely uh, came back firing. Um, at first, it uh, was. Especially going into halftime, I was, Vandy went up 21 to 10. Um, I was thinking, okay, well, you know, it's still close. But Vandy, you know, hopefully can hang on to this. And then the third quarter, they went off like a rocket. Um, the rushing attack was absolutely phenomenal. Um, Mike Wright, Rocco Griffin, and I believe it was Davis as well, um, was fantastic. Um, the offensive line did a good job shifting to where the ball carrier, like they were obviously going for kind of uh, pinpoint plays where they were kind of shifting it. They weren't going up the middle. They were going to either the weak side or the left side um, of the defense. And the line just, like Moses, what the seeds cleared the gap and, and made it easier for the running backs to get through. Mike, Mike Wright had a fantastic game. I believe he had over... I know he had two touchdowns. And I think he had like over 150 yards. Um, and the defense as well for Vandy did very good. I know they've recovered a fumble 
for a touchdown, which uh, was very, uh, uh, very uh, impressive in that. But all in all, a very impressive one. I haven't seen Vandy look this good against, and I get Hawaii, maybe the expectations are a lot more tempered now. But I know going in, a lot of people thought Hawaii was going to win this. Um, and rightfully so, honestly. Or at the very least, Vandy won to be close. And Vandy came out and just steamrolled them. And that is a very good sign for a program that is just desperate to have any form of success because it's been very bare for the past uh, decade. Yeah, I mean, Derek Mason was... I mean, he's a good defensive coordinator, but he was definitely not a good head coach. And, like, I don't remember a single moment in that Derek Mason tenure ever being like, he's got them where they need to be. And it just, it's a shame because he seems like he's a good person, but it's like, I don't know, just the, the program, you know, it, when James Franklin was there, it was a brief blip. I mean, it was only like two or three years, I think, that he was there. It wasn't very long. Yeah, it wasn't very long because he jumped ship to go to Penn State right away. But he had them moving. Like, you know, they beat Georgia. Um, you know, I think they beat Florida in one of those years. And like, yeah. And so it's like he had the potential, like the program had the potential to move forward. But it was like once Franklin left, I can't even remember the guy that replaced Franklin. Because then he wasn't there long, and then you know, yeah, Derek, I can't remember either. Yeah, Derek Mason came in, and Derek Mason. I mean, it was. I mean, at most two or three wins a year, and it's just like, I don't know. I I feel bad for them, but at the same time, it's like they no, do I really. Think well. was, I think Mason was right after uh, Franklin. No, nah, because Franklin was like he left in like fourteen or fifteen. Like no way, Mason was there like six or seven years. I think he was. I, no. I think he. I, I'm looking it up right now. I don't think he was. I think there was someone else yeah. there. Because I was thinking, I was like, I don't remember. Oh no, no you're right. Damn, he was there that long. He was there from 14 to Jesus. They gave him a long leash, man. <laughs> I mean, you can't say that they did not try. Yeah, like you, like they they gave him all opportunity to try to make something happen, and it's you know. It, he had in the middle of his tenure at Vanderbilt, he had a six and seven, five and seven, six and seven years. And he got to two bowl games, which, you know, okay, two bowl games, but um that's crazy. Uh, but uh no, yeah, you're right. James Franklin was there and then it was Ma- Mason. Uh it's <clears throat> it's a tough job. Vanderbilt is a very uh, stringent academic school. It's probably one of the toughest in the Southeast. Um, it's up there with like uh, probably University of Florida and some others, but I, I don't feel as bad because you know, it's like their baseball program does well. They've won a championship there. Their basketball program is not terrible. They've done all right in the last 20 years there. Like, been in the it's tournament not a fault of the football it's a fault, a fault of the department for not investing yeah into football definitely i mean like their stadium is terrible yeah. like which it's like you they don't think, have any good athletic facilities they don't have anything no, yeah lure recruits there it's i've but always nashville though everyone is for the last like 10 years everyone loves nashville like it's this like amazing place and it's like they can't seem to draw the money 
into the the program to get it moving forward. But um, I um, with this kid, with this guy uh, Clark or Lee or whatever the fuck his name is going to see Clark Lee. Clark Lee. Okay, I was saying it right. Um, wow. Yeah, they've only been to bowl games one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like nine bowl games ever. That's yeah, crazy. Um, okay, James Franklin was there. Let's see, James Franklin was there. He was there three years, 2011 to 2013. And um he went six and seven, nine and four, nine and four. And that was really that's real. I mean, going nine and four at Vanderbilt, man. I bet those people were fucking like through the roof. At that yeah. time, you know? I think he, I think I saw a statistic where he was the only coach, um, in the past like seventy years or something to finish like just in general finish his tenure with a record above five hundred at, Van- at Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah, I I totally believe it. That's so crazy, man. Um, it they've been such a punching bag over the years and. Um, you know, it's, I don't know, man. I, it's kind of a mystery because it's like, if you think about it, like they've been around forever. So they're not like a program that's like only been around for like 50 years or whatever. They've been around since like the beginning of college football and have had some success at some points, like way long ago. And like, I don't know. It's just amazing to me that they've never gotten their act together with it. And it just seems like the school is fine with that, which, you know, all it takes and what I've noticed with USF, it, all it takes is the right people in the right positions. You know, the the president and the athletic director to be like putting the screws to people in the alumni base and into the donors and everything. And that's when they start like getting money towards it because USF is now potentially getting a, a on-campus stadium within the next several years. I think it's they're projecting by like 2026 mm-hmm. and um, you know, they just got their indoor practice facility built um, that's on campus now. So that's a huge plus. Cause you know, not being able to practice during the rain is kind of a huge problem in Florida. And, um, and it looks great. It looks phenomenal. It looked like they did a really good job. They're building new, I think a new athletic center. I'm almost positive. I can't remember for sure. Yeah. Cause the one that I went to when I was working there was like relatively new at the time, but you know, even like when I was there, um, it was kind of small. Yeah. Cause it, cause it was like, this was for the, all of the athletes, you know, it was like, this is kind of small for like something that like you have like, you know, at least 90 plus kids using at one time, they needed to be like, it, w- it wasn't wide. It was like very narrow. I, I would say, I don't know. You just need more size for these things and just a lot of uh, money towards it to be able to really like uh, compete with the bigger schools. And, you know, honestly, cause I think what um, they have realized at USF specifically is if they don't start uh, pushing towards this stuff or, um, uh, making leaps, leaps and bounds of moving forward that they're going to be stuck in the past and they're going to be stuck, you know, like a smaller level conference. And if they don't move up, like if they don't get into, I don't know what conference they're trying to get into, but they're trying to get into something like the ACC or the big Big 12. 12. 
And if they don't get into one of those, they're kind of effed because like they'll be locked out of like a lot of money. They'll be locked out of chances at getting into the playoff. You know, it's a lot harder when you're whatever it's going to be considered once, um, you know, they go away. I mean, what's weird. It's like, you know, they're going into right now. Uh, it's the big 10 in the sec pretty much. And it's everyone else at this point. Yep. And so I honestly feel once they get like, you know, the big 10 gets 20 schools and, you know, sec gets 20 schools. That's going to be it. It's going to be those 40 schools. And those are the only ones that compete for playing in the playoff or whatever. And I don't think anyone else is going to be involved. And I would hate to see that. Cause there's like, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams. I don't know. A team like Pittsburgh or a team like Louisville, which like, I would think they need to be involved in potential playoffs. Cause every once in a while there is a team at Louisville or at Pitt that can compete, you know? And it's like, I would hate to see them not be able to. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I don't want to see, I don't want to see it to the point where those teams get locked out. I, I feel like there's room for like at least 60 teams to be in something where they can, they can compete. But uh, let's move on. I can talk about this crap all night, but it's okay. So um, let's talk about the week one that is coming up. So we finally have big games. We've got a lot of good ones. Um, There's a couple Thursday and Friday. So let's go over those first. So I got ball state, Tennessee. Uh, I mean, it's going to be an easy one, but what do you think? What do you think the score is going to be in this one? Um. I'll take the volunteers on this one, uh, especially if the offense is as effective as it was last year. Um, I'll take uh, volunteers. I'll go. Uh, let's go 38 to seven. See, my problem with this team is their defense sucks. And, you know, they couldn't stop Purdue at all, which Purdue's an okay team in their bowl game. But, um, you know, I don't think they're going to be able to stop many people. And I know they're going to score. They're going to score like 35 points a game. They're probably going to average that for the year. But um, they really have to prove that they can stop anybody if they're going to be like a nine-win team, which I don't think they can. So that's why I think they're going to be like a seven-win team, uh, seven, maybe eight-win team. So I got them winning 42-20. to 20. Um, Okay, moving on. This is an interesting game because this game has two former USC quarterbacks. Very yep. rare in college to see that happen. Okay, so West Virginia going up against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh lost a lot, you know, lost their coordinator, lost um, Pickett, lost Addison. So now what does this team have? In comes Keaton Slovis. I think they're going to be – Potentially on the same level. I don't know. I didn't see who their offensive coordinator is. I'm asking you, do you know who their offensive coordinator is? Um I it was it's not Whipple. Um Yeah, it's not Whipple because he left and went to uh I think um, it was Nebraska. Uh, his name was Sigenti, I believe. It was with a C I remember. Um it was like I almost say cigarette, but I, I believe Yeah, Signetti. Yeah, Signetti, yes. Signetti. Um, I guess he's been with uh he's been with Pitt before. Um 
I don't know. It doesn't say much about him, but uh, I think because I know West Virginia is not that great. I know that Pittsburgh def- Pittsburgh's defense is much better uh, than they have been. And so their defense is going to be there. Their offense may not score a ton of points, but I think they'll still pull it off. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh winning. I'm going to say Pittsburgh wins 29 to 20. What do you got? Um, I will... I'm just happy this game's happening again because I remember, you know, the old uh, backyard brawl um, is what it was called uh, back then. And then, of course, both teams, you know, I think once Pitt left the Big East and, you know, West Virginia left for the um, uh, Big 12. Big 12, yeah. Yeah. Um, It was, you know, I was very disappointed because they said they weren't going to renew the rivalry. I'm like, "Ah, you got to come on. I mean, just because you're in a different conference doesn't mean you can't play the same teams. Yeah. Um, we'll get like Georgia and Georgia Tech. Anyways, besides that, uh, this one I'm very excited for because, uh, again, it's a renewal of a rivalry. Um, and I believe this one, a lot of, you know, will show a lot uh, for both teams off the start, and it's not going to be a tune-up game for sure. I'm going to go with Pitt on a very close one. I will go with a 25-23 to 23 victory. Hmm. Close one. Okay. Uh, next one. This is somewhat of a team that uh, a lot of people are picking and do very well, possibly win the ACC and then potentially uh, a CFP pick, but uh, I'm not picking them to go to the CFP, but I still think they'll do well this year, but NC state going up against East Carolina. It's in East Carolina. Um, who do you think wins this one, Ian? Um, NC State, I'm very excited for. I loved their offense um, and how it was, you know, kind of like a uh, fast-paced tempo type offense. I thought it was wonderful in that. I think uh, NC State will win this one, and they should win it uh, handedly. I'm not not that ECU is relatively bad. They did have a very good season last year, and I don't think um, I I think they ended with a. Uh, I know it's a Cincinnati, but they had a pretty good winning streak going on last year. But I'm going to go uh, with NC State on this one. I'll go with a 34 to 14 victory for uh, the Wolfpack. Yeah, I um, I think highly of this NC State team too as well. I think they're going to do quite well, especially the fact that I don't think. Their division is as strong, you know, because FSU is still terrible. And I'm not, I'm still not convinced with, um, uh, with um, uh, Clemson because DJ Ugalele, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to wait and see, Um, you know, I think. I think I think NC State is going to win this one probably let me say 41 41 to like 24. Okay, next one. This honestly, this is my game of the day. I I don't know about you. I know there's other games that seem to be bigger. 
But the reason why this one is my game of the day is because um, I just feel these two are evenly matched teams. I don't know how, um, what is it, how great that Cincinnati is going to be considering they lost a lot of talent to the NFL. But Cincinnati going up against Arkansas. I'm going to go first with my prediction. Okay, Arkansas, this is going to be potentially a huge year for them. K.J. Jefferson is coming back. Uh, Their offense is explosive. Um, They are very well coached by Sam Pittman. Um, Their defense is solid. It's a unique style. Um, I think that Arkansas can win this. And I'm going to say Arkansas wins. I'm going to say 31 to 20. What do you got, Ian? Um, I honestly think with all the losses Cincinnati has, they're going to take a step back Yeah. Um, in terms of how competitive they are with the other teams and with how dynamic KJ Jefferson is at Arkansas. I honestly think Arkansas blows the Bearcats out of the water. I'm going to go with a 33 to 13 victory for the Razorbacks. Okay. All right. That's a blowout. Okay. Next game we have Oregon, Georgia. Ian, tell me your thoughts and then I'll tell you mine. (laughs) So, Georgia, it's you know very stacked team. I, I if anyone look at my list, I still have them ranked number one because they haven't given me a reason, especially with all the players um, that have went to the draft. They still haven't really given me a reason to believe they're still not the best team in the country. And I just don't see Oregon being toe for toe, especially with still what I believe is will be the best defense in the country. I think Georgia is going to play a Georgia game um, and just keep um, Oregon away from probably you know, in both the red zone and midfield, to be brutally honest. I'm going to go with the Bulldogs in this one. I'll go with a 28-7 to win for Georgia. Um, <clears throat> I know you know I'm a Georgia hater, and that's not anything I will ever deny. Um, in other news, the sky's blue. <laughs> <laughs> and also, the fact that Jamison Williams, if he does not get hurt in that CFP championship, that Alabama blows them out, which I will go to my grave saying that, which countless other people have backed up. And I know Georgia fans don't want to hear, but that's just the truth of the matter. Regardless of, yes, you had a good team and your defense was really good. You got blown out in the SEC championship game and we're on the verge of that happening as well until Jamison gets hurt. So regardless I'm going to put that away. I'm going to look at this as unbiased as I can in on the guys, the fact that I do not like Georgia as their fan base and their bowl cut wearing coach. Um, look, the thing that probably stands out the most to me is the fact that Dan Lanning, the new head coach at Oregon, knows how to stop this offense. 
I think out of anyone in the country, he probably knows more than anyone. And how convenient is it that he gets to play his first game against this offense? You know, like, dude, like it couldn't have worked any better for him. It's like, oh, I went up against this offense the last three years. Like, I know this. I know exactly what they're going to do. It's 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 essentially like the John Gruden uh versus Oakland, yeah. Oakland uh Tampa Bay Super Bowl. They knew exactly what was gonna happen before they called the play. They're like they knew they line up like up, oh, it's going to Jerry Rice. I'm gonna cover him right now because yeah. it's going right to him, or it's going to Charlie Garner, I'm going right for him. And they knew exactly where to be, where to intercept. And I can't guarantee that's going to happen, but I'm just saying the likelihood of that happening seems kind of strong because he knows what this offense is capable of. He knows what their limitations are and he knows what certain tendencies they're going to do. He knows what he's going to call out on certain plays and he knows what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, I, I don't know how strong Oregon is. They've been, relatively strong the last four years when Cristobal was there and he had them competitive every year and they were in the Pac-12 championship the last two and they won it the year before. So they're a team that is capable with talent on their team of doing things. I don't know how good their offense is. I haven't read too much into it. I I probably should do more. That's probably me slacking a little bit. It's just Again, it's a team that I don't know too much about. I haven't heard like that many people pick them for the CFP, many people even picking them for the for the Pac-12 championship. I'm hearing more people about USC and UCLA and Utah out of any team for the Pac-12 than really Oregon. So um, but it doesn't mean that Dan Lanning cannot make Oregon into something good. I mean, he's a really young guy. He has the potential to take this program to extreme heights, which who knows what it could be. But at this point, at this game, I'm going to be a realist and I'm just going to say George is going to win. And I'm not being it as, you know, I just, I, they're too strong. I know they, I know they will be, but I will have that caveat of the fact that if there is someone that could stop them, it could be Dan Lanning because he would be able to game plan something for them because of knowing their weaknesses. So I'm going to go with Georgia. I'm going to say like 27 to like 17, something like that. Okay. Here's one. And I know you love this one. Uh, Houston UTSA. I don't know too much about UTSA coming in. So I don't know what they lost and what, what, what's going on with them. But Ian, I know, you know, so I'm going to let you run the show on this, this prediction and I'll give mine afterwards. So, uh, from, you know, me, UTSA was kind of the Cinderella story last year. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, with how, um, you know, groundbreaking their offense was and all that. Um, and with, you know, the return of uh, Frank Harris at quarterback, they did lose uh, McCormick at uh, running back, which is tough because there was a one-two punch between the two. Um, but eight starters returned for UTSA. Um, so the offense should be as effective um, as it was last year. I get there might be, you know, some kinks to wrinkle out, especially with a lot of new guys playing, but I do believe um, 
the offense will be on that, you know, same. I think they were averaging like over 35 points a game or something crazy like that. Um, I don't really see a reason for them not to do it and not to challenge for, you know, another Conference USA championship. Um, but uh, I would say in this game, especially against Houston, I I guess this counts because Houston, I forgot Houston was ranked. Um, yeah. I would count this as my upset of the week. Mm. I've got the Roadrunners um, and that it's not that Houston, again, I just think it's going to be a shootout. And yeah. I just think the Roadrunners with, you know, eight starters coming back, Frank Harris coming back. Um, these guys, I don't see Houston getting as many stops against that kind of experience as would uh, UTSA's defense. Now, I do believe this is the caveat. I think the Roadrunners defense is worse than you uh, than Houston's. But I think the offense will be more effective of the Roadrunners than Houston's will be. Yeah, I agree. And so I'll go got, with a um, 41 to 36 victory for the Roadrunners. Yeah, and I'm not too far off. I, I mean, I know they were a solid team last year, UTSA. And I think, would, would they go like 11 and 1 or something like that? Or They went, um, yeah, they went... Um, they they won a lot of games. They were definitely one of the they, better teams. I think they lost two games. Yeah. So like a solid team, and like you said, they're returning a lot, so they have a chance to really do something this year as well. Um, Houston is a very solid team, but this game again is on the road, so uh, it seems like the UTSA fans are getting like there. It seems like they've they're building up a fan base there, which is kind of cool because it was basically nothing, and now they have something going there, and so. I think UTSA wins, and I think they win 30 to 24. Okay, here's one that I want to take over. Okay, so BYU-USF. I'm just going to say it outright. I think USF can win this game, and I think that if they can win this game, this will be a huge boost in the right direction of where USF will end up for the season. So it'll be a huge uh, harbinger of what will come. So... The reason why I think they will win, um, they have a lot of returning, a lot of returning on defense, a lot. The the O-line is basically returning. Um, they have a lot of good receivers. Uh, the running backs are solid. Uh, the return game is amazing. Uh, Brian Batiste is, uh, the guy is three, t- three TDs last year. He's consensus All-American on the returner list. And the number one thing that I think really is the difference maker is Gary Bohannon the transfer from Baylor, which dude, it's a huge difference when you have a guy that can win a lot of ball games and doesn't make that many mistakes and is solid behind center and knows what he's doing and is fluid and can keep the offensive moving and win games. And, you know, I like Tim McLean. I'm, you know, I'm, it sucks that he left and he went to UCF even worse. It sucks that he went to UCF, but I don't know how, well he would have done this year if he was just the guy gary comes in and i know gary has the potential to really do something and to get i don't know six seven games and i would love that if they could get six seven games because then that turns around the recruiting they can get more recruits coming in and then they can start building from there and right now considering they've only won three games the last two years they really need to get something moving in the right direction this is that game 
I think USF wins. I mean, I know BYU is a solid team. Um, BYU, you know, they have uh, a decent amount coming back as well. But um, I don't think they're as strong as they've been in the last couple of years. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're ranked, which, you know, I, I I think that's more of just the fact that they have been a solid team the last couple of years. So they just they're just like putting them there. Um, I don't know. I I just feel that with the momentum that USF has coming into this game and the fact that um I don't know, yeah, they've got eight returning starters on offense. Um they're always a well coached team. I just feel USF's going to win this one. I don't know why that I'm like so adamant that it, they're going to, but I feel like it's almost imperative that USF wins this game because they have tougher games at Louisville and at Florida and like, you know, Houston and SMU and Cincinnati. So it's like, it's imperative that they win this one because I think they have their best chance of getting a, uh, like a noteworthy game, a something that they can really, uh, leave their mark on. And so this one's important. I think they, I think that's the, the, the players know that and coach Scott knows that as well. So I think they can do it. Um, I'm going to say USF wins. Um, I'm going to say 27 to 22. What do you got, Ian? Um, this one, I don't want to be the buzzkill. I, buzz I just don't see it. Um, I don't know if this offense is ready. Um, to t- Now, I think the offense will be better, and I think it will show in this game. I think they are going to score some points in this one. But with BYU, especially on the defensive side, the defense – did come up big um, last season, but it was uh, a bit of a weak spot. The offense was very lacking as well. I think that was the thing is that the offense was so bad, it kind of took away from the defense. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, I always say, um, it's the saying that's said a lot, is that the games are usually won um, in the trenches, and oh, yeah. BYU is loaded. Yeah, um, they have a lot of big guys, offense. yeah. It is loaded on the offensive line. So they're going to have a lot of time. Uh, Jaronal um, is going to have some time in the pocket um, to, you know, take, uh, you know, take his passes. Um, Gunnar Romney will be back as well um, yep. for that. So with that being said, I, j- I just don't see it. I think USF will stay in the game, but I just think BYU just has too much for USF to overcome. I'll, I'll go with a 31 to 21 win for the Cougars. Okay, moving on to Utah, Florida. Uh, Ian, what do you got in this one? Um, This one. Again, I've said this. I'm going to say this all year. Prove me wrong. Hmm. I don't see the Gators beating Utah. I just, I just don't. I get, you know, it's a tough environment for a team like Utah to go in, into the swamp, very hot, very humid, very loud in that. But they're loaded on, you know, offense. They're, um, the water, you know, they lost some guys, but it's still relatively a very impactful and very dangerous group. Um, 
coming back for the uh, UDs. And I just don't see, especially with how weak the defense has been for Florida, um, I think it will take hopefully a step forward. But it's going to be, again, tough when you have a very kind of offensive-minded Utah team that was, I believe they were averaging over, uh, again, 35 points a game last year. Um, And and I think Florida will score, but I I, I just don't see it with this game. I'm going to go with the UDs, and they'll probably run away with this one. I'm going to go with a 35-20 to win for Utah. 35 to 20? Yep. I mean, that's an ass kicking. I, I think they pull away late in the game. So you don't think that Anthony Richardson, the potential top 10 NFL draft pick, is going to be capable of scoring more than 20 points against this Utah defense? The thing was is that Utah's defense, especially last year, was one of the best against the run. And this is going to kind of turn into a run-oriented team under Billy Napier. Um, I, again, I haven't, they have to prove it to me. Um, they haven't given me any reason to believe that they can beat this kind of Utah team. I think, like I said, Utah is one of my picks for the college football playoff. I think they have everything uh, in front of them to make it to the playoff uh, and win the big uh, Pac-12 again. And um, this is not a slight on Florida. It's kind of more of a praise of Utah. It's just, again, Florida's got to, you know, they got to win back my belief because they threw it away last year. Um, it's, it's up to, you know, it's up to them to find a way to, you know, fix the problems they had. Um, I don't think AR will play bad. It's just this defense will be ready. They've been through these opponents before. They've been through, like, tough games like this the best hope i can get for this one is that the environment they lost to san diego state last year though and then won the pac-12 and then we're toe-to-toe with ohio state so i again prove me wrong florida (laughs) (laughs) i you know uh, we're both huge Florida fans and, you know, we're, we've been Florida fans our whole lives. And, um, you know, I don't shy away from that. You know, I, the USF article I wrote and someone put it into one of the USF message boards and the guy was one of the, one of the people was making fun of me for being a, a USF grad and worked in the USF uh, athletic department. And I'm just like, Hey, I'm sorry that I'm honest that that's what I did. Like I'm, you know, I can't shy away from that, nor would I want to hide that fact. And, you know, that shouldn't deter me from being able to speak on things that I feel, you know, like just because we are biased in a certain way, I'm hoping with this podcast that we can try to neutralize that as much as possible instead of, you know, being, I I want nothing more than the, like the Gators to win the national championship every year. Exactly. I'm a diehard. I'm a diehard Gator fan, but I, I'm also a realist. So I, I always, that, I remember, I always told you, I was like, do you want the fan answer? Or do exactly. You want the I want the, I want the the reality because you know what we, but we also acknowledge that we are fans, and that's why. You know, I said something about being a Gator hater, uh, Gator hater, uh, Georgia hater, and you know that I was a. It's it's a bit of a USF homer pick, the pick I picked today. But you know what? 
I'm going with it because I really believe that they can do it and they're capable. And that's what I'm going behind because I'm taking the information I gathered in from what they uh, has started camp with and what they came out with and what they'll be able to do. And with that being said with Florida, I don't have like immensely high hopes for the season. Like I'm not thinking like CFP, I'm not thinking like SEC championship, but the crazy thing is they could still win a good amount of games, which I think that's what's possible. Um, I think what a lot of people don't realize is how bad the defense was the last two years, especially in 2020. Like 2020 was like record bad, like one of the worst defenses of all time at Florida, which that's that's crazy to me that they were on the verge of getting in the playoff and they were dealing with the worst defense they've ever had to deal with. And that's that's criminal almost like if, if it was if the if the defense was just mediocre they would have destroyed people that year. And it they like that LSU game wouldn't even been close. They probably would have beaten Alabama and they probably would have gotten in the CFP that just, if the defense was mediocre, but it was terrible. Todd Grantham was a terrible defensive coordinator and it really set them back a lot. And it really was the reason that they ended up firing Dan Mullen was because the defense was so bad, but in comes Billy Napier and in comes Patrick Tony. And Patrick Tony is one of these whiz kids defensive minds that knows exactly how to coach up these kids and how to get them into perfect position and how to tackle and to be in the good system and to do the things necessary to thwart teams and to attack them. I have high hopes for the defense. I don't have the highest hopes for the offense. The offensive line is returning a lot. Um, you know, there's some solid running backs, the wide receivers I'm not in love with, and then the tight ends are kind of lacking as well. And Anthony Richardson should be a star, but I do have high hopes for that defense. And I think that if they can put up what I think they can, if they can do like a top 30 defense, which I think is possible with the talent that they have, it's definitely possible. And if that's the case, they'll be in every goddamn game that they play. And if that's the case, then they can win nine to 10 games. It's not a definitive that it's going to happen, but it's a possibility that it can happen. And that's where I'm going with this. Regardless of what happens in this game, I still think they're capable of winning nine games. So uh, I think they're going to lose this one. And I think it's going to be close, closer than what you have. I think it's going to be Utah 29, uh, Florida 24. And I think Anthony Richardson is going to have a good game. Um, Utah's defense is solid, but I really think that Anthony's going to be, I think in the passing game, that's where it's really going to be the difference maker. Um, if he can make some key plays there. I know I've heard a lot of people talk about this, like his accuracy is going to be the issue with him. Um, I don't know if that's fixed from the camp. It may not have been. They said um, he was he was more accurate. He was looking better. Yeah. Well, it it just it's something that he needs to to really work on, um, and it needs to be something that like I hope that he stays to next year. Because I think if he stays to next year, then he'll like move up highly in the draft rankings. I don't know how his year is going to be, but it could be potentially this year is really good and he's gone. So that's it's has that potential. So regardless, 
Florida will lose this game, um, but I think they'll do well, and I think the defense will play strong. And what I, I noticed someone posted on Twitter uh, talking about uh, it was a, a pick six that happened in the uh, Michigan game in 2017, and I was trying to think back. I'm like, man, there weren't that many – pick sixes or fumble recoveries for touchdowns in the last couple of years. And like, it really, it like, it is a huge difference. It's why Georgia is so good. It's why Alabama is so good is because you get points that you're not supposed to get points on. And, you know, if you get it on special teams, you get it on defense, you make a difference in games that are close turning into blowouts and we you know florida needs that going forward if they want to make a difference especially this year because you know the offense may not be tip top this year but if their defense can play very well and get those turnovers especially just turnovers in general um that's that's going to be huge okay so moving on here's one that ian loves army going up against coastal carolina uh i want to hear your thoughts on this ian um I will say just flat out, I'm, I'll make my pick here. Um, and it kind of hurts me to say it. I think Army is going to win this one. Oh. Only for the fact, yes, is that <laughs> Coastal. Um, now, uh, Grace McCall will be coming back. Um, yeah. But all of his wide receivers um, are gone. Is gone uh, Isaiah Likely is um, gone as well. Um, all of his major weapons are gone. Yeah. Um, and the offensive line is still very raw. Um, um, and the defense is okay, um, especially on the offensive defensive line. It's okay. The problem is, is that they have lost a lot of key guys in a lot of key places that they were able to win games with. And now they're gone, and now they're going to have to learn on the fly because it is going to be. Uh, pretty tough for them in the uh, Sun Belt now. So, with this, I think Army wins it, and I will say Coastal maybe takes a step back this year. What do you have score wise? Um, I'll go Army. I'll go with a um twenty four to. 20 victory for the uh, Knights. <laughs> That's exactly what I have. <laughs> uh, <no>, nice. <laughs> I, I mean, I was deferring to you just listening to what you were saying. So I was like, I'm, I'm thinking that army's probably going to win. So um, yeah, I, I don't, I have no idea how good army is. I don't, it's never really truly knowing. Cause it's like, they're run they're, heavy. <laughs> yeah. They're always run heavy, but it's like, you yep. know, unless I don't know because you don't hear too much about what athletes go there. They don't get like a lot of heavy, like a big time recruits there. Um, Coastal, you know, has been solid the last couple of years, especially with Grayson McCall. And so this this being his senior year, you would hope he's can do something, but you never know because of all the losses, it could be kind of back to square one type thing, which that really sucks. But let's move on. Top five matchup, Notre Dame going up against Ohio State. I'm going to go with my pick first. Okay, so um, Marcus Freeman comes in. He was a uh, former uh, player at Ohio State, former coordinator at Ohio State. Came into Notre Dame as a defensive coordinator, worked under Brian Kelly. 
Brian Kelly leaves and goes to LSU, and now Marcus Freeman gets hired to be the head coach. I think Marcus Freeman could be a really good head coach, and it seems like it's a really good hire. You know, Brian Kelly was there a long time. He was there, uh, what was it? He left. <laughs> yeah, he left Cincinnati after that 2009 year when uh, Cincinnati lost to Florida in the Sugar Bowl, and he left before that game and then went to Notre Dame, and he had been there – I think that's like 13 years or maybe 12 years, 12 years, something like that. That's a long time at a place. And yeah, I think he's, I think he has the, he was the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. And so um, stepping into that, you know, Marcus Freeman now, you know, the last couple of months he's been recruiting very well. I mean, I've seen some decommits, though, uh, some stuff go one way or the other. So we'll see. It's a hard school to try to get the top recruits to because it's in, the middle, it is, of, yeah. it's in the middle of nowhere. It's cold and it's a Catholic university. So like not everyone's Catholic. So it's kind of the culture shock. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's very high standards as far as their academics. Um, you know, I, I think they could be back. I think Marcus Freeman seems like a young guy that like is innovative and like wants to be on the cutting edge, which that I think is so important for a coach of today, you know, like a head coach needs to be looking at the analytics stuff. Like it really, like you can't, you cannot ignore that stuff anymore. And I think that's someone like Billy Napier, who's definitely on the forefront of that stuff, which you know, look at the staff they have at Florida with all those guys and girls, you know, for every position, like there's someone for every little detail, they have someone to do something so that nothing gets overlooked. And there's something to say about that because it really takes an army to really like really nail down everything. And, but this game's in Columbus and Ohio state has been rolling the last couple of years under Ryan day and CJ Stroud is, Definitely going to be in the Heisman race. Uh, Najigba, uh, Jackson Najigba. I don't know how to say his whole name. That's a name. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Najigba. I mean, I just, I'm going to say that because that's, you know, who you're talking about when you say Najigba because there's a very unique name. So he is a monster in the receiving core and he had a huge game in that Rose Bowl and he's going to continue to do great things. Um, uh, the running back, uh, God, what's his name? Uh, uh, oh, for uh, Buckeyes, yeah, Buckeyes. Uh, um, it's Henderson, uh, Travion Henderson, yes, thank you, yeah, yeah. So, Travion Henderson, stud back, gonna have a great year. The offense is gonna be a monster again. The key this year that is different than the rest of the few years is the fact that they hired the Oklahoma state coordinator, uh, I believe Knowles is his name. Mm-hmm. The dude, that defense at Oklahoma state was phenomenal. It yes. was considering that big 12 is nothing but offense. They dominated those offenses last year. And was the reason that Oklahoma state was a yard away from winning the big 12 championship. Yeah. And 
potentially could have been in the CFP, I think, right? Wasn't it? If they had won that, they would they have been in the CFP? Yeah, then they, the door would, they would have open. been, they would have gone over Cincinnati. And so yeah. it's like, they were literally a freaking yard away from that. And it's largely to do with that defense. And um, I'm going to see, I, I, you you will be like amazed how good this Ohio State defense is going to be. It's going to be really good, and uh, I think Ohio State's going to win this one. And I think that they're going to go, win it going away. I think they're going to win like thirty five to twenty one is what I got. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on this one. I I don't see any reason why Ohio State can't run away with this, and for a lot of games this season. I'm going to go with the Buckeyes, and I'm going to go. There's just way too many weapons, and I just think uh, Notre Dame's outmatched here. I'm going to go. um, I will say Ohio State wins 42 to 20. Yeah, it's a blowout. Um, Okay, moving on. Memphis, Mississippi State. This is a sneaky game, very sneaky because it's, you know, it's teams that play a lot. A lot of the like Memphis or not Memphis, uh, Mississippi teams play the Tennessee teams because they're so close to right there on their border. And like, so like, there's a lot of like Tennessee plays Ole Miss, you know, Miss, like it's just, there's a closeness there that's always like a good rivalry with all these teams. And um, I think that Mississippi State's going to have a really good year. Um, their quarterback is back. Um, they, you know, it's what year three under leech, I believe, because the first year was the COVID year. So they will have a very solid year. I think they're going to win like close to nine games, eight or nine games, I think. So I'm going to think Mississippi state is going to win this one. I'm going to say Mississippi state wins, uh, let's say 34 to like, 27 close but uh still mississippi state wins go ahead my my score was almost identical i had 35 27 for mississippi state i think memphis stays in this one yeah um, only for the fact that you know memphis has been making a living off the home run plays yeah and with the defense that we know leach has yeah. usually with what he was at you know washington state and mississippi state it's not hard to believe, you know, Memphis gets big plays and stays this one, and it's a bit closer than a lot of Bulldogs fans would like. But I got, you know, Mississippi State winning this one. I'm going to go with a, um, yeah, 35-27, like I said. Yeah, cool. Okay, moving on. I don't know too much about this game. I just thought it would be interesting. SMU, North Texas, what do, what do you do? Do you have any thoughts on this one at all? Um, this one, um, I know North Texas is actually where my girlfriend went to college. Oh, nice. Um, uh, for at least two years, at least. Um, they, um, I know North Texas has been rebuilding, and they should uh, be pretty loaded this year. But I'm going to say um, SMU still has weapons and still has the play-calling um, uh, moxie, I should say, um, to kind of win this game. Um, I know it'll be a fun one. Uh, usually when Texas schools go at it, it's fun. So I'll go with... Um, SMU winning this one. I'll go with a uh let's go with the 33 to 19 win. 
<laughs> I said 34, 21. <laughs> All right. We're like really close on a lot of these. Okay. Uh, which is usually the case with me and you with how we do these. Like everyone will have like yeah. at least like five or six of them that are like almost dead on. Um, I don't know too much about North Texas. I know they've done okay the last several years, but SMU has been definitely more solid. And had, uh, I think it was either last year or the year before that they had uh, like the chance to get into the AAC championship. So they're definitely more of a prominent team SMU than North Texas. And I think, you know, SMU is going to win this 34, 21. Okay. uh, Interesting one. I know you love Cunningham at Louisville. Give me your thoughts on Louisville, Syracuse. Um, This one, Louisville does kind of, you know, it's been a bit underwhelming the past couple of years. But I think with this one, Louisville's got all the potential to really, you know, put a stamp on their season. They got a lot of tough games. I, I don't know why they're playing so many Florida teams. They got UCF and FSU, USF and USF. Yeah. I was like, I, I don't know why they that... pick up the phone. <laughs> yeah. I know no one, no one in Virginia, no one in uh, North Carolina yeah. couldn't play you. Like what? <laughs> um, and that one, well, I just saw like, hell, I mean, come on, join the, you know, just move to Florida at that point. <laughs> Um, yeah. but this one, I will say, um, Louisville should be rebounding. I do again, lovely Cunningham. Um, uh, I think it'll be dangerous. And I think the Syracuse team is still in the process of a rebuild. So I think Louisville wins this one and going away, I'll go 38 to 13, uh, Cardinals. Damn. That's a blow. I got 31, 24. I mean, Syracuse is, you know, they're an okay team. Um, and I, I know they can score, but they're not like obviously that great. It's playing in Syracuse, so that dome is kind of contentious, but I'm I haven't seen that many people afraid of playing there. Like it's like it's like two they don't they don't pack enough people in it. Like it's like a huge dome, but there's not like you know, that's not like they have like sixty thousand people in it. It's yeah. like they have like twenty thousand, so it's like not really that scary to play there. And most teams usually uh do come out all right. So I got a Louisville 31-24. Okay, this is an interesting one. I didn't even know this game was going on until I looked at this week's schedule. But Boise State going up against Oregon State. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on um both of these teams and what you think will happen in this game. Uh this one, um, it's kind of a tough one to decide because Boise State is usually the cream of the crop of the group five. Um, and Oregon State is around like the mid-tier um, level. I wouldn't say mid-tier, but they're like on the, you know, not at, you know, the contending level yet of the uh, Pac-12. Yeah. Um, I would say for my prediction in this one, um, I'm going to go with, uh, I'll go Oregon State winning a very close one. I was probably staying on a game-winning field goal, honestly. I'll go with a 27 to 24 win for the Beavers. 27-24? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think Boise wins this one. Um, I'm going to say Boise wins like 34 to like 17. I mean, I did see, I was just looking up Oregon State's record the last couple of years, pretty dismal up until last year when they went seven and six, which yeah. seven and six is not terrible, but 
it's also not very good either. So, I mean, it basically got Dan Mullen fired at that kind of record. So, yeah. um, but, um, I don't know how good Boise State's going to be this year. I haven't too, I haven't heard too much about them, which makes me think. Um, I know uh, Back uh, uh, uh back as well. He's back. Okay, so yeah. that that's a difference there because he's a solid quarterback. So um, that could be the difference there. Um, they're usually a well-coached team. Um, you know, they don't have the most talent in the world, but they're like solid enough that they can compete with most, um, mid tier teams like an Oregon state. So I think, I think Boise wins this one. Okay. Uh, last game, interesting game. This is a very, you know, like unique game because it's like what, what I just realized was they haven't played each other in a long time. And I was surprised. I'm like, that is kind of weird that these two have not played each other, but FSU going up against LSU. Um, let me get my thoughts first and I'll let you go. So, um, you know, the Duquesne game, whatever, you know, we, we won't know truly how good this FSU team is until they play someone like LSU, which they get to do this week. So, um, are they for real? Are they turning the corner with Mike Norvell? I don't think they are. I think they're still just this average middle to like below average team that doesn't have the like the the D line or the offensive line to really make a difference. Jordan Travis does not scare anyone. I don't like I don't get the fascination with this kid, but they don't really have anyone else. So that's really what they have to go with is Jordan Travis. And he's just more of a, you know, a runner than he is a good thrower. Like I know he's capable of throwing it long and he's got a, a, a deep ball in his arsenal, but he's not that accurate. And I just don't, I don't imagine FSU scoring more than 25 points in this game. And I think that'll be the magic number for them to try to like be competitive in this game. I can't even see them scoring more than 20 points. I know LSU was in disarray the last two years, but there's still a lot of talent on this team and Brian Kelly, I know he wasn't great as in like championships, national championships at Notre Dame, but he's now with an, an another class of athlete. Like his athletes at LSU are completely different from what he was getting at Notre Dame. He's getting super fast, skilled players, you know, all up and down his roster. He's getting all of those Louisiana kids, which all of them go to LSU. That's just what they do. They don't go anywhere else. They go to LSU. And so he's getting his the pick of the best kids in Louisiana. And their the recruiting is through the roof there. And um, you know, he's seems to know what he's doing coaching wise. He had a good, good run at Cincinnati and had a good, good run at Notre Dame. I think LSU is going to start off with a bang. The game's in New Orleans. Um, I think LSU is going to win. I'm saying like 33 uh, to like 22. Weird score. Go ahead, Ian. Uh, I actually think this game will be kind of a repeat of Brian Kelly's last encounter with Florida State last year. It's going to be close and way closer than it probably should be. And the win on a field goal, I'm going to go with a 26 to 23 
win for the Tigers. But I am going to mention, I will my job will not hit the floor if Florida State wins this. Oh, no way. They're not winning this game. They're not <laughs> winning this game. Here's I don't care. LSU doesn't even have know who their starting quarterback uh, is. Now, it's There's, okay, but uh, you have Jaden Daniels. It I don't even be. think it, it matters. I think they have enough talent across the board that they should. And because Brian Kelly is a better coach, way better coach than Mike Norvell, that is just the difference right there. Talent level and coaching level. That's all that matters. doesn't even really matter quarterback. But Jaden Daniels is not a like a garbage pail kid. He's not like no, someone. He, he's, he's definitely not. capable. And I think that's really the difference. Jordan Travis scares no one. He is literally the least imposing quarterback. He doesn't even look like he should be a quarterback. It looks like he's the kicker. And like, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't see, I don't see Florida state winning this game. I, if they played this game a hundred times, I don't even see Florida state winning it like twice. That's how bad I think Florida state is. And it's not saying that LSU is that much better. It's just, that's how bad Florida state is. And I've, I have, I'm a broken record. Cause I have been saying this, since 2017, I have known that they have been bad, and I keep saying it. And just like you with Florida, they need to prove it to me that they are capable of winning these games again, which I don't think they are. And I don't, I think they're still like, you know, they're probably a new head coach away from being able to. And I know that head coach is going to be Deion Sanders, and everyone knows it is. Like, <laughs> Deion's doing well at Jackson State. And the only reason he took that job is so that he could. Uh, get the resume to be um, the head coach at Florida State. That's really, I, I know it. I like, you know, and I, I feel bad for those uh, those kids going to that school because it's like, oh, yeah, we're building something here. But he's going to leave and, you know, he's going to take all that, like, shine and everything that he brought towards the program. And it's like, that's what I feel like. He's, like, using those people to, like, build it up. And it's like, I just feel bad for him because it's like, you want the HBCUs to do well. And it's like, it seems like Dion is using that school to further his own career. And, you know, it's, I don't know, but regardless, back to the point, I think that Florida state has no chance this game. Just want to say that for the record. I, I, again, as someone who has hated this team since I came out the womb, uh, Again, I hope LSU gives me a reason to laugh, but again, I'm not going to be totally surprised if somehow those tricky Seminoles get a win. Well, I, I am excited because it is a Sunday game, so it's like um, I think what we should do, because this is the only weekend where there is a Sunday game, I think we should still do the podcast that Sunday night just so it's like, it might be interesting if we're like watching it live as we're recording. Yeah. It just like give our reaction. That would be funny. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that is the show, everybody. You can reach us at hater underscore radio at Twitter and Instagram and hater radio one at gmail.com and at haterradio.com for all of our articles. I'm going to have an article about how I feel about the program of Florida and where they're going. Um, Ian will have some articles throughout the year uh, regarding uh, big matchups. Probably, uh, I'm guessing Georgia, Texas A&M, and then maybe even maybe even Tennessee, depending yeah. on like what if if Florida gets off three wins in a row and you know they're undefeated and Tennessee's undefeated, 
that might be a good time to break out a good article for Tennessee. But anyways, look out for those articles. They'll be up. We'll post them on Twitter. We'll post them on everywhere. Um, we can put them so people will see them. But uh, Ian, what is your socials again before we go? Uh, my socials are on Instagram, G double underscore Gator double underscore G. And on uh, YouTube, just G underscore Gator underscore G. Awesome. All right, guys. Have a good one. And we'll see you next week. Uh, big, big games. Game one. Can't, or, uh, week one. Can't wait for this. All right. Later, y'all.